Man, if you would go ahead and turn in your Bibles with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Today we will be in verses 10 through 13. And this morning my prayer is that even as we heard a minute ago praying for the persecuted church, that we would hear the voice of Jesus, that we would be hearing the call to count the cost, that we would enter in, even with our brothers and sisters who are in Christ with us across the world who are being persecuted, and that, and that we would hear the sweet call of Jesus as he calls us to himself, even when it's hard. So we read these words from the Apostle Paul, starting in verse 10. It says, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and suffering." That happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Let's pray together. Lord, we Even as we've just heard, Lord, we pray, oh, that Christ Jesus, in the midst of hardship, in the midst of trials, in the midst of struggles, in the midst of persecution, Lord, that Christ would be our treasure, that Christ would be enough for us, that his perfect life, his perfect death, and his powerful resurrection would be more than enough for us, no matter what this world throws at us. Lord, would you help your church today? Would you help us hear and listen? Lord, by your spirit, would you help us obey? And Lord, would we cling to Christ even when it's hard? For the glory of your name and our joy, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there's been a global pandemic that has swept the world over the last few decades. A global pandemic that's disturbed the lives of Christians and disrupted churches all over the world. And what began in the American church has spread rapidly now. It's been exported rapidly to South America and Asia and Africa. And what I'm talking about is this pandemic called the prosperity gospel. This false gospel that God wants you to to be healthy and wealthy and happy, and and it's deadly. It's killing the church today. It's killing the lives of believers all over the world. But the difficulty is that this false teaching, this prosperity gospel, it might be so extravagantly displayed in the lives and, and the teaching of the false teachers who teach it on TBN. Those false teachers and the false teaching that's spreading throughout other places. Those who are lovers of self, lovers of money, lovers of pleasure. But, but the thing about false teaching is that false teaching mutates. False teaching is like a deadly virus. It mutates and it takes on different form and it begins to spread and it begins to deceive others that didn't think it could deceive them. You might look at your life right now and think, I think I'm pretty asymptomatic. 
I don't think that this has affected me at all, but, but I think even in the church today, the prosperity gospel is affecting your heart and your life more than you realize. I call this mutated form the soft prosperity gospel. A false gospel that, that looks more American dream than biblical Christianity. Listen, you might be believing a soft prosperity gospel if you've said or you've thought or you felt things like this. If God really loved me, then surely this suffering in my life would have never happened. If God really cared about me, then life shouldn't be this difficult. If God loves me, why does it hurt? Why does life hurt so bad? If God really cares about me, why does that person over there, why does my family member hate me so much? If I'm always sick, then maybe there's some sin that I haven't confessed. If things are not going well, if I'm not successful at my job, if I'm not going places, then maybe I don't have enough faith. I thought things would feel different. I thought life would feel easier following Jesus. Listen, these are all symptoms that you've been infected by the prosperity gospel more than you realize. That it's affected your heart more than you know. And that's why we need the Bible to cure us from unbiblical Christianity. We need people like the Apostle Paul to show us that life can be really hard for the believer and yet God really love you. Life can be really hard and yet God really loves you. We need people like the Apostle Paul to show us that a life of faith, a life of godliness is not an easy path to prosperity. It's not always a life of ease and comfort. It actually might be really difficult, and yet God still be really good. I pray this morning that God's word, that the Apostle Paul would show us, not only show us what a godly life looks like, but make our hearts desire to be godly. Make our hearts desire to be like Jesus. The first thing I think we see clearly in our passage is is that we need to find a godly life to follow. We need to find a godly life to follow. As we saw last week, Paul just told Timothy about all these false teachers, those who were lovers of self, lovers of pleasure, lovers of money, who have the appearance of godliness yet deny its power. They're not godly. And Paul says clearly, without reservation, avoid such people, period. Avoid such people. Have nothing to do with them. If they, if they look like the world, if they love the world, if they look nothing like Jesus, then you should avoid them. Don't listen to them. Don't follow them. Don't imitate them. Don't download their podcast. Don't watch their life. Instead, run away. But in verse 10, there's this change in subject. There's a contrast between those false teachers that you should avoid and the apostle Paul that's worthy to follow. There's a change of direction in verse 10. Listen to what Paul says. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my stead 
fastness. See, the word my is actually in the Greek only one time. But our translators bring out the emphasis that Paul is giving, that this is all from me. This is my example that you should follow. All these things come from me. He's saying, Timothy, you followed my teaching, meaning you've learned sound doctrine and what to believe from me. You followed my conduct. You've seen how you should act and how you should carry yourself from me. You followed my aim in life. You've watched my life and you've seen what you should spend your life on, what you should be ambitious for. You followed my faith. You've watched what it looks like to trust the Lord and to keep trusting the Lord no matter what happens in your life. You followed my patience. You've learned how to be gentle and lonely and patient and kind to everyone around you, even if they're your greatest enemy. You followed my love. You've watched me show how to love God first and how to love others second and how to forget about yourself. And you followed my steadfastness. You've seen what it looks like to not lose hope. Yesterday, me and my family went to Shaney Hollow. If you haven't gone out to Shaney Hollow, it's a beautiful place to go and hike. And there's rocks everywhere along the path. And there's roots that are sticking up. And there's places that are steep that you have to go down. And boulders you have to climb over. So there's some difficult places to walk. But I kept telling my kids every time I turned around, follow the path that I'm taking. Just follow. Follow my steps, and I'm going to lead you in the right way. And this is what it means to follow someone, to be a disciple. It's to walk step by step, step by step with their way of life. And and Paul's basically saying, you follow me, Timothy, step by step, and I've never led you astray. He's saying, you could watch me when we're at the synagogue. You can watch me when we're at church. You can go with me to the market. You can go with me to those who are close to me. You can go with me into my home. You can go with me when I'm alone. And every second of my day, I can say, do what I just did. Do that. He's saying 100% confidence. With 100% confidence, the same thing he told the church at Corinth. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Here's a clear application. Find you a Paul. Find yourself a Paul. Find a godly life that's worth following. I'm not saying find someone who knows about God or knows some of the Bible. Find someone that really knows him. It's had an encounter with the living God who wants to spend time with him, who loves to spend time with him, who longs to look more and more like him, to be holy as he is holy. I'm not talking about finding someone worth listening to or someone who's entertaining. Find someone worth imitating. Don't simply find someone that says, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I go to church. Don't find someone that knows about Jesus. Find someone that treasures Jesus. Find someone who looks like Jesus, who lives 
for Jesus, who clings to Jesus, who's patient and kind like Jesus, who loves others, not himself, like Jesus, someone who hopes in Jesus no matter what happens to them, and then stay as close to that person as possible. Stay as close to that person as possible. Now, I'm not talking about someone that's perfect, because there's no Jesuses in our church. There's no perfect people here, but I'm talking about someone who's so desperate for Jesus, and they've experienced the lavish love and grace of Jesus so much that it affects every inch of their life. I remember being with some elders from another church one time, and one of the elders of the church said this about another elder of the church, someone that he was really close to, someone who spent time with all the time. And he said this, the space between what he believes and how he lives is razor thin. The space between what this brother believes and how he lives is razor thin. And I, I know this brother, and I know his life looks different. But the reason I know his life looks different is not because he's trying harder than other people. It's not because he's performing well. No, it's because he's always looking to Jesus. He's always clinging to Jesus. He's always desperate for Jesus and treasuring Jesus. That's why his life looks different. So let me add this application. Be a godly life to follow. Don't just find a godly life to follow. Be a godly life to follow. Live a life that's worthy of imitation. Live in such a way that you can say with the Apostle Paul, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I tell young men who want to be pastors, I usually say this, if, if you said to someone you're discipling, Imitate me as I imitate Christ in every area of my life except this one. What would be your except this one? What would be your except this area? And just look at this passage in verse 10. Do, do you need to grow in your teaching? Do you need to grow in your conduct, how you live? Do you, do you need to grow in your ambition for the glory of God? Do you need to grow in how you love and how you're patient and how you cling by faith to Jesus? Do you need to grow in being steadfast no matter what happens in your life? Whatever that area is for you, do, devote your attention to that area. Devote your prayers to that area. Devote your time in the word to that area that you might devote it to Jesus until you look like Jesus. I want to imitate you, Lord, in every area of my life, including this. Lord, change me. Brothers and sisters in Christ, let's find a godly life to follow. And let's be godly lives to follow. But number two, let's see that we should expect a godly life to be hard. We should expect a godly life to be hard. It's not... A godly life's not just marked by a godly character. It's also, Paul shows us, marked by persecutions 
and sufferings. A godly life's no stranger to a valley. A godly life knows what it's like to walk through trials. They're not surprised by trials. Instead, they're expected. I mean, you can almost hear the, how the false teachers would have been talking about the Apostle Paul. Back in Ephesus, telling Timothy, Timothy, I don't know if you know this, but Paul's in prison. Like, Paul's locked up in chains. Like, his ministry is going nowhere. But if you look at our lives, I mean, we're, we're prospering. We're doing well. The crowd's growing. Our ministry is flourishing. However, hardship should not surprise followers of Jesus. Because the call to follow Jesus is the call to count the cost. This might not be American dream compatible, but listen to the call of Jesus. He says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. If anybody would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. It's it's not a call to come and find the easy life. Come and get comfortable. It's almost promised to be hard. It's not a call to, to come and come and follow me and you'll get to cross off your bucket list. No, it's come and follow me and carry a cross like me. This definitely wasn't a surprise to the Apostle Paul and to his young disciple Timothy. Look at verse 11. He says, You followed my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. You can find these stories that Paul's talking about in Acts 13 and 14. Maybe you could read those later today. In in Antioch, the first city that Paul came to, Jewish leaders, they see the crowds growing around Paul, and it says they start to grow a little jealous. They're growing jealous at the large crowds, and they start reviling Paul, and they start mocking Paul, and they stir up persecutions against him. Well, then he comes to the next city, the city of Iconium, and it says the Jewish leaders, they start speaking evil about Paul to everybody in the city, and they start making plans that they might mistreat him, and they were going to try to stone him, but Paul moves on to Lystra. Finally, in the last city of our list in Lystra, the, the angry mob has grown large. And people have come from Antioch and Iconium, and the crowd has grown. And and it says that they stone Paul, and they drag him out of the city, and they leave him there for dead. Imagine that. He's so battered and so bruised that they thought he was dead. We're confident that we're leaving here, and he's done for. And, And they go back into the city. See, this is no surprise to Timothy because Timothy was from Lystra. The stoning, think about this. The stoning and the dragging of Paul would have happened when Timothy was a teenager. A late teenager or early 20s. So think about this. Timothy could have been there when they grabbed a stone by his foot. Timothy, as a young man, could have looked up and saw them dragging Paul throughout the city, dragging him out 
sad the city to be left for dead. And so his first lesson of discipleship could have been in that moment saying, that's what it looks like to follow Jesus. That's what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus Christ. But before you feel sorry for the Apostle Paul, or you feel like this is a special call to Timothy, or for those persecuted believers living in North Korea or Afghanistan, look at verse 12. The Apostle Paul says, Indeed, all, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Not might be persecuted. Not could be persecuted. But all who desire to live a godly life will be persecuted. Suffering should not be a surprise to the follower of Jesus. It should be expected. You, you might not be stoned, but maybe everybody in your workplace can't stand you because you stand for Christ. Maybe your neighbors are bothered every time you bring up Jesus, but whatever it looks like, suffering should not be a surprise to the follower of Jesus. I mean, listen to Jesus on the night when he was betrayed. He said these words in John chapter 15. In John chapter 15, he says, If the world hates you, Know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. That's just not for the 12 there that evening. That's for every follower of Jesus. In Acts chapter 14, it says that the Apostle Paul went back into those cities. He went and spent time with the disciples, the, fo- the, disciples, the followers of Jesus. And think about this. This was only a few days after he had just been left for dead. So Paul's walking into the house and he's probably limping. And he's probably battered and bruised. There's probably scars still on his head as he's standing before the people. And it's, this is what he does in those cities. Listen to Acts 14, 22. This is what Paul did when he showed back up. It says that he was strengthening the souls of disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. And listen to this. And saying, through many tribulations... We must enter the kingdom of God. Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. So this is discipleship 101, Christianity 101. This is what Paul's saying. Don't lose heart. Keep the faith. And what you saw, don't be surprised, is what you saw happen to me is also going to happen to you. Discipleship 101. What you saw happen to me, don't be surprised if the world does that to you. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're saying, you know what? I don't think I signed up for this. I didn't think I signed up for this. My question would be, what did you sign up for? Just ask yourself that question. What did I sign up for when I said I was going to follow Jesus? Maybe you're thinking, this is not what I was taught when I was little. Well, who were you listening to? Joe Osteen? I don't know if it was the words of Jesus Christ. 
Were you listening to the Apostle Paul or looking at the life of the Apostle Paul? I mean, everything in me right now wants to make this as easy as possible. Maybe makes makes me want to make it more palatable so that you can receive it easier. But, But Jesus says, count the cost. He's not just saying that to first century disciples under Nero. He's saying that to Americans today. Count the cost before you follow me. Even the persecuted church that we prayed for this morning, they're not over across. They're not in North Korea and Afghanistan and in India in the Middle East right now praying that our lives would get easier. They're praying that we would cling to Jesus, that Jesus would be a greater treasure than anything in this world for us. That's what they're praying for us. No matter what would come our way, No matter how hard life gets, Lord, help the American church cling to Jesus. Not make it easy, but cling to Jesus. I mean, if you want your life to be easier, there's two easy ways to do that. Just, one, leave the world. That's the first option. Just avoid the world altogether. Withdraw from your neighbors. Be silent when your family brings up Jesus. Don't be intentional in any relationship. Just never be noticed. Just... Never say the name of Jesus ever. That's your first option. Your second option to make it easier is just to look like the world. Either leave the world or, or look like the world. Do your best to just blend in. Watch what the world watches. Talk about what they talk about. Love what they love. Follow what they follow. Make it look no different between your life and the life of an unbeliever at your workplace. Just look like them. That's your only hope. Leave the world or look like the world. But if you're going to look different, if you're going to be set apart, if you're going to pursue holiness, if you look like Jesus and talk like Jesus, don't be surprised if you are treated like Jesus. One pastor says this, it is in vain to try to detach Christ from his cross. And it's only natural that the world should hate Christ, even in his members. Brothers and sisters, if you can't have Christ without his cross, you can't live a godly life that looks like Jesus and then be surprised that you're treated like Jesus. Expect carrying a cross to not be easy. Expect a godly life to be hard. But finally, the the good news, last point, be ready to be rescued. Be ready to be rescued. Paul reminds Timothy of all his persecutions and suffering. But then he says this, Timothy, remember that from them all, the Lord rescued me. Timothy says in verse 11, Paul says to Timothy, from them all, the Lord rescued me. He says, remember when they stoned me and they thought I was dead, Timothy. Remember when you were standing in the town square and you saw them dragging me outside of the city? Remember they left me there. Remember they thought I was dead. But Timothy, the Lord rescued me. The Lord did not leave me there. The Lord came to my rescue. The Lord raised me up. He brought me back. But listen, Paul not only looks back at his life and sees 
event after event of being rescued time and time again. But he looks forward and guess what he sees? Rescue's coming. For the believer in Christ, rescue is coming. Listen to the final words that Paul, that Paul says. Some of the final words to Timothy in this letter. Some of the final words he's going to write to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4.18. He says this. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. That's the true hope of the gospel. That's the true hope of the believer in Christ. It's knowing that persecution will never get the final word. That's the joy of the gospel, the the promise of future glory and grace that no matter how bad it gets, no matter how hard your life gets, no matter how much suffering comes, no matter how deep the valley, I'm promising you on the authority of God's word that rescue is coming for you if you're a believer. What hope for those who are facing hardship? No matter how hard it gets, rescue is coming. You can bake your life on that. But Paul says the opposite is true for the evil ones. The opposite is true for unbelievers, for imposters. Instead, for them, no matter how good it looks right now, no matter how prosperous it seems right now, this isn't going to end well. That's what he says in verse 13. He says, these evil people keep going on and on from bad to worse. These evildoers, these false teachers are deceiving other people and they're deceiving themselves. They they think that their sin will never catch up to them, but it will. They believe their sin will ultimately satisfy them forever, but it won't. They believe that their idols will never break their hearts, but they will. It's going to happen. They have convinced themselves and others that following the world is the best path, but yet they're all being deceived. My question is, is that you today? Is this you today? Don't be deceived. If you think your sin will satisfy, if you think your idols will never break your heart, you're going to be sorely disappointed. You're going to be devastated when it comes to the end and you haven't turned to Christ, but you've turned to this world time and time again. Today, you can repent of your sin. You can run from being deceived by the lies of your sin. And you can repent and put your hope in Jesus and be satisfied forever. Listen, for those outside of Christ, this life is as good as it's going to get. But for those who are in Christ, this life is as bad as it's going to get because rescue and eternal life is coming for you, believer. For those who have trusted in Jesus, this is what it it looks like to receive the life of Christ. This is what it looks like to have a gospel-centered, a gospel-saturated, a gospel-shaped life. Listen, for the believer... The Lord has never called anyone to carry a cross that he hasn't simultaneously promised to bring you resurrection. Is that not good news? The Lord has never called anybody to carry a cross that he hasn't 
promised you simultaneously that you're going to get his resurrection. That rescue is coming. The good news of the gospel is not that Jesus is a good example to follow. It's that Jesus is your rescue. That Jesus has come to rescue you. See, the Apostle Paul is not the only godly life who was taken outside of a city and left for dead. Jesus Christ was rejected by religious people who he was longing to come to. Jesus Christ was hated by the world that he left heaven to come and to save. Jesus was beaten. He was bruised. He was drug out of the city. He was hung on a criminal's cross, and they left him there for dead. But when all hope was gone, when it looked like that the Father in heaven maybe had turned his face away from the Son forever, when the Son said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Three days later, the Lord raised him up. The Lord came to his rescue. And listen to the good news of the gospel. When the Lord came to his rescue, the Lord rescued you too. The Lord rescued you too. Listen, Jesus didn't die and rise again to show you how to love. He died and rose again loving you. He was loving you on the cross. Jesus died and rose again so that all who would carry a cross would one day be raised from the dead. Jesus died and rose again, not just to rescue, from your, rescue you from your sin, but to make you godly. He didn't find you godly. He didn't find you doing good things. He didn't find you with your life put together. Jesus came, died, and rose again to rescue you and to make you godly. To make you like himself. So brothers and sisters, this life might get really hard. But don't miss the gospel that you are, even though life might get really hard, you are deeply loved by Jesus. And no matter how hard it gets, no matter how much we as the church, even in America, may one day be hated. Brothers and sisters, never forget that rescue is coming for the people of God. Rescue is coming, and we can say with all confidence with the Apostle Paul, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we as your people can hear clearly the words of our Lord and Savior who, who call us as our King to, to come, to leave this world, to leave our sin, to leave our idols, to leave all the, all the moments of being deceived by this world and to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and follow him. But Lord, I pray for the believer in Christ today, Lord, that we would not just hear the call to carry our cross, but Lord, we would, we would believe the promise of a resurrection. That all who've left family, father, mother, and brothers, that Lord, we will receive a hundredfold what we have left behind as we've come to you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would fill us as your people 
with the hope of the gospel. That, Lord, you have called us not only to repent of our sin that you died for, but, Lord, to walk in newness of life that you rescued us for. Lord, for those who are here in Christ, Lord, for someone who might be in this room right now who is deceived by their sin, who thinks this world is worthy of their lives, who thinks that their sin will be enough for them, their sin's deceiving them right now, that it will satisfy them. Lord, I pray that they would turn and see a Savior who lived, died, and rose again for them, and that they would be forever satisfied by Jesus. That they would see Jesus as their greatest treasure and they would love him and cling to him and spend the rest of their days pointing people back to him. Lord, that's my prayer today and I pray that you would answer it for the glory of your name and for our joy, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.